Welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, now part of the Inebriart Podcast Network. The only show where old is new, new is old, and so are we. I am your host of the moment, Parasite Steve, and with me as always are my carbon-based cohorts, Boss Rush Mode. Doubles, alright, extra turn. 8-Bit Alchemy. I keep rolling one, what the f- in hell. I don't know. I can't. I can't help you there. You I, have two dice. That doesn't make any sense. And I know. Nintendo. I'm just here for the lols. <laughs> well, we got plenty of those. I, <laughs> I think. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna roll a bunch of lols today lols. because go heavy handed. <laughs> heavy handed with these board game puns. Yeah, yeah. Get 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 your die. Yes. Get your die, monster. Because because today we're actually gonna be talking about. Lost board games. Where did oh. they go? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't Ooh, know. Where will we find them? Oh, this is just an open discussion uh, this this week, and we're just going to kind of... Uh, actually, it's not an open discussion. It's because, the opposite of that. Because it's closed. Right. So nobody can come in. So go away. Go. If anybody comes to the door, go home. Bit, I want you to. I want you to tell them to know. I will give them a firm boot. You tell them, you give them a, a firm finger wag. And you, you tell say, them, sorry. Yeah. I say, no farming. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. So it occurred to me, you know, not that long ago, but, you know, whatever. We, um, board games, they're a thing. We've all, we all have experience with board games. We like board games, some people more than others. So, but, you know, the culture of board games, wow. Like, back in the 80s, holy crap, there were a lot of board game commercials. Really like yeah. The, yeah, it was just, a huge market for like a toy. Yeah, kind of thing, the, you just know? the overall, um, s- just just the the sea of commercials that we would be surrounded by were so different. I remember a lot of snack and bubblegum commercials, a lot of sugary cereal commercials with cartoon characters and like certain types of things that just aren't advertised today. But for sure, board games. There was a lot of random board games, and everybody knows like the tried and true ones. You know things like Monopoly and and right. Sorry. Trivial Pursuit, Trivial Jenga. Pursuit, yeah. Jenga, Yahtzee. Sure. I mean, they're not Candyland. Really... Yeah, there are yeah. certain mm-hmm. games. Trouble Ladders. Clue is another big Clue. one. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know these are games that are just they just can't go away. Like we can't get away from you them. You sank they... my battleship. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's, right. it's kind of a board, I guess. Yeah, not a yeah. cardboard, but yeah, no, that's sure. a board game. No, it counts. Yeah, I'd say, I say it counts. Counts. It comes in a box. Does so, I don't know. Yeah. Lots it's of a stuff. game that's not box, a video game. And the boxes may have cardboard. That so. is true. <laughs> right, you are Nintendo. Right, you mm-hmm, are. Mm-hmm. I'm but sm- I'm smart. Yeah. There are. How do you smell? How do you smell that though? How do you, how do you smell? How do you smell the word? How do you smart? smell the word? I was going to say smell, but I fucked it up. I'm just trying to go with Ooh. it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so like there are so many old board games that I can recall that you cannot purchase if you're not on eBay. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're mm-hmm. just out of print and they're super expensive now, but either still worth or, playing. Yeah, or either that or they're just not really readily available in stores. You can probably still purchase yeah. them like online, or maybe even through the retailer themselves. But, but it's just, a niche thing, right? But they yep. just, for some reason, don't put them on like the shelves, right? And I mean, you go to Target even, and there are a decent amount of board games. There's a, usually a section. There are they do exist, right? But yeah. they aren't necessarily the ones. So like, there are so very many games that I recall, and even great ones some great some not 
um, that would come out of the the woodwork, and they are just lost. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. If you can find them on eBay, cool. But you know, yeah, I mean, otherwise... not every game kept getting reiterated on over the years. So, like, if they only made it once and it didn't sell well, it's kind of just lost unless you happen to have bought it at the time, right? right. Like, I remember playing Guess Who. And guess who was one of those games that I think for a long time it kept getting iterations. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. And then there were like ripoff guess who's and they had, um, and I say ripoff, that's not necessarily the maybe the best thing, but like, you know, other companies would do their versions of it and they would have like a, a license. Like, you know, I would, re- I remember like, a, you know, comic book, guess who? And, Littlest you know, Pet Littlest Shop. Littlest Pet Shop. I remember my, uh, my, one of my daughters had Littlest Pet Shop. Um, guess who? And and they were like, oh, little animals. So it's like all little twists on on the, right. the same game. But a like, lot guess of guess who? Who's that? And I I, I don't <laughs> who know this? If guess who yeah, is say who this? is a game that's at this point lost or not. I don't know if you can walk into a Target and get a guess who. I feel like you can, but yeah, I haven't looked. I'm not. I'm well, not you positive. can, but it's got nothing to do with board games. <laughs> oh well, just judging by the context, I'm gonna. I'm. I think that sounds saucy. Not an eye. So much sauce. So much sauce, sauce rush mode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, what I thought would be fun is if we sort of went around the room, and if each of us presented a game that we had as a kid that we really remember liking fondly, that you just physically cannot go out to the store right now and buy, um, and just see where it goes from there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Start things off. Uh, <laughs> Well, you guys think that sounds okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I guess. I'm down. Yeah. I suppose. I'm Gam. Gam. All right, let's so, roll. Let's roll. Roll. Out. Let's roll out. Show speaking, me your hand. Speaking of rolling out, let's go with the resident Transformers expert, Nintendo. What you got? Well, the game that that I have chosen was the Star Trek: The Next Generation interactive VCR board game, a hmm. Klingon challenge. Rolls right that off that. That is the tongue. actual yeah. title of the game. Wow. <laughs> That's like a dissertation. It's a mouthful. I mean, if, 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 you can, mouthful. if you can say the name of the game, you win. That, that's that's the challenge. Right. And this is a, the game where you play along to a VHS, and you have to go by... For those you know younger kids out there, that's a cassette, kind of sort of like a Blu-ray, except not a Blu-ray. It's a, it's a tape. What the hell does VHS stand for? Video habits. Right. It, mean, uh, it means Google it. Right. <laughs> I never even thought about that, but I can't think of a single thing that makes sense. (laughs) Video (laughs) Hamilton. So yeah, so the Star Trek VHS board game, which was not the first VHS board game, but kind of popped on the trend. Yes. So we can get we can get to like where it came from a little bit later, but yeah. So yeah, talk Um, about it. So the the game was released in 1993, created by Decipher Inc. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see in, in the VHS, you see this character named Kovac, who is played by the actor Robert O'Reilly, who is famous for his role in the series as Goron, Chancellor of the Klingon High Council. Yeah, and he played that role um, for a lot of years on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Yes, yeah. And, uh, he was like one of the main reoccurring Klingons. Yes, yeah. You could say he... Clung on, yeah, yes, he did. He, he clung. He, he's he stuck around. Yes, he certainly throughout did. the whole and, series. And just just for information's sake, VHS stands for Video Home System. That's oh, okay. not that's not all. great. A good no. anagram. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the system. Like, it's a tape. It goes in the system. Video Home System. I, I like I like precise these. I do too. I yeah, that that was that was quite disappointing. <laughs> I am disappointed. 
It's a way to I mean, end that's that. actually exactly what I said. <laughs> I just mumbled the rest. <laughs> you guys just didn't listen. Yeah. Right. That's on you. And uh, Jonathan Frakes re- reprises his role as William Riker, who is Naba One, as we all know. Engaged if you, if you watch the show, then you know. Uh, he also does narration in the beginning of the of the program via log entry, and the log entry sets the stage for the gameplay and subsequent events. Cool, that's yeah. pretty interesting yeah. that they were able to get actors from the show yeah. to yeah, be the in two, this hokey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still, still a couple. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's not just you know schmuck and you know hoser B. B. Yeah, yeah. It was. Like, I think <laughs> the. Uh, I just so I just watched this because it's on YouTube. If you want to look it up, oh, that's fun. And uh, the the log entry from Riker basically states that like the em- Enterprise is empty because of some reason they're doing some diagnostic thing and everybody's got short leave because we didn't have the money to hire the whole. <laughs> sure. No, 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 no. But it had it. to be empty though. It had to be empty, and then the. Uh, the Klingon dude uh, transports on and he uh, he takes over and he, he steals the Enterprise, but then realizes there is a skeleton crew aboard on one of the decks. But, you know, the Enterprise is like the size of China. It's huge. So, right. like, you know, he doesn't know where they are and he's got his shit to do. So he just realizes, oh, there's crew aboard. And that's you. You playing the game. So when he's looking at the screen, looking at you, you're like the crew that's been left aboard to run the like, you know, basic systems or it's whatever. It's like a right? role playing game where you're playing a role. It's cool. Yeah. It's yeah, neat. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, fast paced, too. Is that I remember like playing a game like really, really quickly just to try to advance the game before that guy would just pop up back on the screen. Right. That was the deal with the, the video board games that uh, it, it, it lasted for an hour. Yes. And that was, was it. And so the time the would tick down the whole time. Pri- primarily on the screen is a clock. Right. And then every, like, so often, uh, the, the, the character who's running the game, in this case, the Klingon dude, what was his name? Not Gowron. Uh, that was his other name. It was... lot of ha in there. He's like... It's very Yiddish yeah, it's Klingon. Ka- Kavak? Kavak? Kavak. Kavak, oh, Kavak Ka- or whatever. Kavak or... Okay, so he, yeah, he would show up and, and just yell at you and be like, okay, and roll, and you do this, and, and you think you're, you're so smart. Uh. And he'd you know, punish d- different players, or he'd say, oh, the one with the, uh, the, one with the bunny shirt. I don't know. You, you draw a card or whatever. I don't know. But like, you know, or pro, you know kill the red shirts first. I mean, that just happened right away. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, pretty fun. Yeah, it was a, yeah, I had a lot of fun with the game and I played it all the time. And uh you will not believe what's what comes with the game. What like, I tons what? of stuff. Like, like <laughs> Is it tons. tons of fun? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh I yeah, love that. guys. That's my favorite tons of that's fun my favorite thousands of pounds of fun. That's my favorite of category sinks. of noun. Right. <laughs> so it comes with a sixty minute VHS tape, one game board, six tri tricorders. Six phasers. Actual phasers. You can kill people with them. You can set them to kill. For realsies. 56 computer access cards. 12 12 holodeck cards. This doesn't sound that that fun, actually. (laughs) This sounds like what you need to play the game. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I thought it was going to be like actual humans. I thought it was like a butt ton of keepsakes. Uh, Living tribbles. (laughs) Right? 12 Klingon cards. Six male playing pieces, six female playing pieces, six plastic stands, 30... <laughs> Do the uh, male and female pieces fit together? Maybe. Does it say? Did Wikipedia say? No, it didn't say. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. say. They probably uh, did. I don't remember. Six variation rank tokens, four bridge tokens, two stasis fields, one die, one plastic spinner with base, one sticker sheet with 18 communicators, 36 federation rank pins... 
one spinner sticker, and four medals of valor. Oof. AKA, Boy. prepare to lose some shit. Right. Yeah. AKA, if Keep you get this game nowadays, kids. you might get like four of the 56. Yeah, right. you're going to have to buy it three it. times right. on eBay and then right. Frankenstein this a complete game. Get the VHS tape will have porn recorded over it. Version. Warning, choking hazard. I mean, that's what's on the video. <laughs> <laughs> My head went there, too. Uh, and, and this game is lost for so many reasons because, A, it's old and you can't buy it. B, if you did buy it, you need also a VHS player, which right. is hard to get now. Right. Um, Unless and you go then, to a thrift store. Yeah. Or well, well, honestly, still, you can like, play it. I was thinking about this. You can legitimately play, it, play on it on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah, if you had yeah. the pieces, yeah. it would be fine. You right. are yeah. true. That's what but I yeah, say. that 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 you know, before knowing that it was mm-hmm. on YouTube, that somebody actually went and yeah, no, that's great that somebody thing. did put so that funny. on YouTube. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, right. wow, pretty cool. Yeah, very very fun format of game that doesn't that, really yeah, exist. Yeah, that's anymore. a that's yeah. a really great one. So if are are you all are yeah. you done? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Okay, so if you're done, I I'm actually going to go next because go mine it. actually kind of ties into Joe's. Yep. So um, like those male and female card pieces. Yeah, may or may not do. I know. My room. Jerry's out. Wikipedia didn't say. So I, I was going to say I'd make them, but that's a whole level of wrong, and I'm I'm not going to say that. I made my own little movie, or even mention those, it, or allude figures. to it, or anything. <laughs> Go ahead, Paris, Steve. Strike it from the record. So, um, just keeping it in the realm of VHS board games, um, this is not actually what I was I was going to pick, and I do have another couple I really want to talk about. But man, when Joe told me that he was going to do the Star Trek VHS board game, which I used to own, I'm like, oh my god! Well, well, we cannot talk about that without talking about the original VHS board game, which is Nightmare. Oh yes, Nightmare, which that was, was awesome. also so. I'll just talk about Nightmare for a minute. So Nightmare was also <laughs> oh, known man. as Atmosphere, spelt A T M O S. F-E-A-R. Spooky. Um, It's actually an Australian horror video board game. It was released in 91. It was was, uh, produced in Australia. They did all the the video. It was a company in Australia. But we got it here. And it was, believe it or not, insanely, insanely successful. It was the first of its kind that used this format of having a VHS tape playing in the background. And you are... It literally lights a fire under your ass to the point where you get nervous. And with Star Trek, Star Trek wasn't meant to be scary. This is meant to be scary. Right, and yeah. it is hokey. You do boot it up. And I remember the first time we, we played all of us, you know, because the guy who is on the screen is uh, the gatekeeper. Yep. Right. And uh, this guy, he he talked with, uh, with like a sort of a, just a weird, you know, European sort of accent. And he was just a, just a guy in a cloak basically. And, um, and you know, basically his job is just to ensure that the other characters do not escape from this realm. This is the game story of the other side. And we've come into the other side and we're playing his game. And he's really, uh, not a, not a super nice guy, as you might think. And it's sort of, you know, it, it seems, it seems hokey. It does. And, and, you know, I remember playing it for the first time and we're like, Oh, this is so stupid. He's a a butt breathing duck dick. It literally gets (laughs) super scary. And and it like it you just forget how hokey it is. It just absolutely works because you know the first thing it says on the tape: turn the lights down, turn the volume up, and my god! And Tim, put your pants back put on. Put your pants back on. <laughs> no, the lights are off. Why can't they be off? And and it's like it's like when he shows up because whenever the clock would be on the screen, you have this sort of bassy ambiance, just like. You know, sort of humming sound. And then, like, bam! 
he would show up and it was like oh my god oh my god like oh my god i just sharded like yeah he's it just so much jump scares with this game but so um basically the uh the players had to choose a number and a color and and that's how the gatekeeper basically would quote keep track of you and uh, when you got called, you had to, when he would show up and he would, he would reference some number or whatever, you always, the deal was you had to answer, yes, my gatekeeper. And he would ask, did you answer, yes, my gate- gatekeeper? Did you? And if you didn't, he would punish you. And usually you got sent to pl- this place called the Black Hole. He'd like, you, 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 you didn't answer yes, my gatekeeper. Well, you're sent to the Black Hole. And you'd go and you'd be like, you would miss a, not one turn, but a bunch of turns until he came back and was like, all players released from the black hole. And so sometimes you would legitimately miss like three or four turns. Right. Yeah. As, as other people are like progressing or whatever. I mean, so that, yeah. So basically as a character, you know, the gatekeeper yelled a lot, but he was pretty damn intense. You know, he's, he was, um, as I said, he was, you know, depicted originally as like just a man in his early fifties, kind of whatever, a hooded man with like long scraggly black, black hair. Long but scraggly time, butt. I heard that as, too. <laughs> long, long scraggly butt hair. Um, as 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 the time went on, he got older and uglier, and so they would change the makeup and they uh, they would change the lighting. A lot of it was done with lighting. Like at first, it's kind of just just normal lighting, and then slowly his appearances would like they would add green light. And, and blue, and they you know, have different lights on different sides of his face. And uh, you'd notice that there were, like, lines appearing in his face, like wrinkles and stuff. And uh, in his final appearance, his, his, his final, like, couple appearances, he was in his, quote, final form. And he had, like, these super scary contacts. And his, his voice was all, like, demonic. And, and you know, just it was, it was awesome. You know, it's super hokey on the surface, but when you get into it, it's like really great. And I just, this is also on YouTube and I just watched, like I skipped around and watched a bunch of his parts and I'm like, my God, I was expecting this to be so terrible and it's just awesome. This guy was awesome. So his name, what this actor, he's, he's a Belarusian actor, uh, who's actually got 56 credits on IMDb. Not too shabby. His, his name is Wenanti Wenanti Nosul, uh, his actual name. And so this is a country that's directly next to Poland, and it was part of the USSR. And uh, currently, uh, it's called Belarus, I think. Uh, I, know, I know he is Belarusian, but anyway, I'm Belarusian. not here to talk about geography anyway. But anyway, so this guy is like completely awesome. And uh, totally sells the game and makes it fun and, you know, adds this this level of, like, anxiousness. Like, it's really, like, tense. And, um, you know, uh, so anyway, yeah, like, the Nightmare was a huge hit. And there's pretty much nothing like that, like it. And uh, at the time, you know, and then there were other imitators. We had the Star Trek game. There was actually mm-hmm. also, I learned a Wayne's World video board game, which was apparently horrendously awful. Like I oh watched some of it and it's like, oh my god, who wrote the material what for this? What was the it's premise so for it? Like, I don't know. It, but there was a bunch. There was a bunch of yeah. other. There's like Disney ones and stuff. I mean, once you play one of these <clears throat> games, you realize how fun of a format it is, and you do kind of just want more things like it because you played enough mm-hmm. times and you're like, okay, this is awesome, but what else right. can we do? And, and I remember we played so Nightmare fun. One a lot of times, and mm-hmm. we played Star Trek a few times, and then Nightmare Two came out. And I thought it ended there, and I feel like we only played it once or twice because 
the guy just wasn't as good as the gatekeeper. They changed the host, which does make sense. I mean, that really does. It should, right. they, they should have done that. Yeah. But right. nobody, changing host is a good idea. I agree with that. Yeah, we should leave. It's something that a lot of media formats tend to do. <laughs> um, but so, so just real quick, the characters that you got to be uh, were, were super fun. And um, they were called Harbingers. There were six of them. And for the most part, they, they took their names from historical figures or like uh, from actual folklore, legends or whatever. So there was Khufu the Mummy. Khufu was an actual Egyptian pharaoh of the fourth dynasty who ruled from 2589 to 2566 BC. Just a little knowledge on you. Uh, then there was Baron Samadhi, the, the zombie. And he is uh, named for a Haitian voodoo loa or spirit. And in the game, he was just basically called the master of the dead. And he was a zombie. Um, there was Endeshan Train, the witch, who was a real w- girl who... Uh, was burned at the stake, strangled to death, and then burned after death. Seventh uh, century France um, for witchcraft. Poor, poor her. Seems like maybe a little disrespectful to name this character after her, but there you have it. And then there was uh, Elizabeth Bathory, the vampire, who I think is probably more well known that the uh, she was a sixteenth century Hungarian countess who liked to kill her servant girls and bathe in their blood because she thought that it made her young and she was crazy. And there's lots of stuff that references Elizabeth Bathory. I think at this point, well, Castlevania. We- yeah. Certainly does. Mm-hmm. Way more famous than her cousin, like Kate Showery. Yes, Kate Showery is just uh, very, <laughs> very forgotten by the, uh, the annals of, of history. Then we have uh, my favorite of all the references, 8-Bit, you'll love this, Javodan the Werewolf. Oh, the Beast of Javodan. Yeah, the Beast of Javodan, which was a, uh, a thing, just this thing that happened where it was a bunch of, uh, it was in France, this little village of Javodan. Ooh, la, la. Uh, I think it was 14th century, maybe. And uh, supposedly there was a big monstrous wolf uh, that was black. killing killing people or black dog, and it yeah. was a. I I learned about it mainly. There was a movie that came out in two thousand one called Brotherhood of the Wolf. It was a French film, and it's a great movie, honestly. And uh, uh, Monica Bellucci is is in it. Um, and uh, anyway, it's a. Uh, there's also this, this this weird thing that happened supposedly, but in this he's a werewolf. There's so. an Ice Earth song about it too, right? Um, I don't know. Ice Earth. I don't think so. Pretty sure. Maybe. Uh, and then there was Helen the Poltergeist. Poltergeist, Poltergeist. Which, which is spelled Ken. Uh, Helen the Poltergeist. <laughs> Helen spelled H E L L I N, which is just a big joke, and it's a play on in hell. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the only original character of the bunch. But um, so those were the, those are the characters. And what they did for the sequels was they 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 plundered the character base for new hosts, which was a fun idea. I think. Oh. So number two was hosted by Baron Samity, the zombie. Cool. And I always thought it ended there, but. Uh, in my research, they're all on YouTube. They made four. That's nuts. That's insane. Sequels. Yes. Nightmare. Not reiterations. Yeah. Sequels. Sequels. So they played the same basic way, but there would be new, you know, new tropes and new things, whatever, I guess. But number three was, uh, Nightmare 3 was uh, hosted by Anne de Chantrain, the witch, who was played by French actress Frédéric Fouche, or Fouche. Fouche. Um, and uh, Frédéric actually was also in nightmare four and she played elizabeth bathory the vampire and like the other ones as it went that they got scarier and scarier so in her first appearance she's just lovely Mm -hmm. and lovely um, she was in her early 20s when she did it i guess she was she was beautiful and then as it went she got scarier and scarier and you got real ugly (laughs) yeah she did yeah she did and honestly the uh the vampire makeup was very very interesting i think she looked probably more like a character out of nightbreed than a any vampire i've ever seen but she was great sweet the the makeup was great she wasn't as great of an actor actress actor she's an actor actor 
a thespian, a thespian um, as the original guy. That really is the downfall for me. Like the original guy was the best. But um, anyway, by the fourth one, the sales were kind of, you know, I think it had run its course. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Nightmare 5 was announced. It was supposed to be Khufu the Mummy. But it was just never released. So there are four, and they are all on YouTube, and it's pretty fun. Did they nice. all come out in America, did you say? Um, I don't know. Okay. I think, I think so. They se- seemed like. I, I didn't know about them, though, so I, you know, I, I don't have that answer. I'm not sure. Yeah. But so VHS board games is definitely, obviously, old technology, yep. whatever. But there really isn't anything like it. Right. Where you're playing right. with another thing that's like... Because there were things like seen it. Right. Which but is it's, like... it's not the same. No. Yeah, it's different, yeah. You know, this was like, the game takes an hour... Every time. Yep. And you can win or not or whatever. Maybe everybody dies and it really gets more and more tense as it goes. Very different. Very fun. One thing mm-hmm. I will say um, that does remind me of this. Um, this isn't my pick, but there is a current game called Escape. And basically it is a board game where you put a CD on a CD player and it plays an audio track that does a similar thing where it will guide you through different checkpoints and you basically all of your characters start in the center of the board and you have to escape from whatever the scenery is so there's one that's like a tomb there's one that's like a few different settings but the cd will have these different points like okay uh at this point everyone needs to scramble and get back to this room so it it does kind of evoke a similar thing and it's really really fun but it doesn't have that video component but that that is a current ish series um Hmm. that that is really fun Cool. Yeah. Yeah, but having like the sound right is right. such, such a huge component. Noise, yeah. yeah, the ambient and then noise. When, when, scare you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very fun format that just is not really found today. Yeah. It yep. really yeah. seems like it should be so hokey and stupid, but man, I'm telling yeah. you, they were really fun. Yeah. Totally. That yeah. sounds pretty cool. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, what you got there, Bosch Mush? Oh well, my my pick involves a lot of consumption but it's not oh, scary no, no, at all no. even though it does have ghosts not the kind that like killed edgar Allan poe's wife no not in the slightest at least not that i'm aware of i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say no on that we'll have but, to ask uh, her i want to talk about the pac-man board game mm. that uh, was released by milton bradley in 1980 and it's uh as you would imagine it's based on the video game pac-man but in this game there can be up to four Pac-Men. What? Uh, each with a different color. Of course, there's the standard yellow, and there's also a red, a blue, and a green one. Uh, this game came with two ghosts, not the four that came with the game. But, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you got uh, this board. It's all laid out. It's got, like, a maze. It's not the exact replica of the maze that you'd see in the Pac-Man game, but it's, it's a maze. It's a blue maze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you put marbles all across the board. Ooh. And, you know, the point. A lot of setup time. Right. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, you'd have a couple dice. One die, one die would represent how far you can move your Pac-Man, and the other one re- would represent how far you can move one of the ghosts. Of course, you know the point of the game is to get as many marbles as you can, and you know stay away from the ghosts. You can move the ghosts towards other players and away from yourself, or however you you want to work that and strategize that. And uh, yeah, basically, uh, once the board is completely cleared, whoever has the most marbles wins. So it's you know pretty. You know, I mean, Pac-Man is a pretty simple concept in and of itself, and you know, transferring it to the board game seemed like it was a, you know, seemed like they did a pretty good job with it, and seemed like a pretty simple uh, concept to kind of you know put into a board game format. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I do want to say though that the, if you have, actually see the Pac-Man in this game, they have serrated teeth for whatever reason. That's kind of terrifying. That's like kind of creepy. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of kind of crazy. And it's almost like Hungry Hungry Hippos. Like the Pac-Man itself is like this big huge disc kind of thing. 
and it would go over the marbles. And I've you never actually, seen this game. Yeah, and you can actually like just pop the Pac-Man thing over a marble, and it would it would eat it basically. I mean, it would it would only carry so many. Like so, after every turn, you just dump it out into like you each get like a little tray that you you would collect your marbles in, and you know you'd obviously count them at the end of the you know at the end of the round. Uh, yeah, and it's just, you know, obviously like, if you get hit by a ghost, you lose a turn, you go back to your starting point and you lose marbles, and the person who controlled the ghost gets a couple of your marbles, this and the other thing, so there's, there's marble transfer about. But, you know, it's pretty much all I really got to say about it. It's a fairly simple game, fairly simple concept, but it, it was pretty fun. I had a good time playing it when I was a kid. You know, that's that's really interesting. I uh, I bet that has to be the first, or God, it's got to be at least one of the first video game licensed properties right Pos- that I mean, was started as a video game and became another thing right i mean i mean there may have been others in the past but i'm not aware of them maybe there was a donkey kong one I heard right i was thinking were- maybe there was donkey kong you know i think there was a donkey kong board game i feel like i might have owned one but still i wonder if that came before pac-man because pac-man was before donkey kong right um i don't know actually probably i feel like probably not not much but, longer, but you know, it's, it was yeah. That the same that time. has to be huh. up there, right? In the list of you got to think like video games originally. Like you know, think of you know what are you going to have a, a Yars Revenge board game? Like <laughs> it didn't exist. Like right, what are you there were do games, for it? but yeah, they didn't. It's- it's hard. They to didn't become. They didn't become other things. Is what right, I'm saying. Yeah. And then one other thing I like to mention, like. For whatever reason, I don't know if this was like an intentional thing or if they meant for different colored ghosts to be in the game. They they would come with two ghosts and they'd usually be the same color. The one I happened to get was blue, but there were also other, you know, just, you know, there weren't really different versions of the game. But, you know, if you just pick the next one off the shelf, I get sometimes they'd be red ghosts or sometimes they'd be green ghosts for whatever reason. I don't know. Huh. So, that's weird. They wouldn't have just given you one of like all the right, different colors. It wouldn't be like just uniform. It wouldn't be just, you know, be, I don't know, whatever weird. color ghost. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I just thought that was kind of neat. That is huh. really neat. That's fun. It seems like a good adaptation of a video game because yeah. it, it's so similar yeah. to the actual thing. That's cool. Yeah, and the That's actual cool. physical marbles. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 Yep. So guaranteed nice. if you ever find one on like, you know, a yard sale or, you know, flea market or online, you're going to be missing a few. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You've lost your marbles. Yes. You done gone did lost them. Very cool. Nice. Good yeah. one. And I know you had said... Um, that you you remembered playing uh, off off mic? You were saying about the uh, like a fo- electronic football. Oh yes, 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 I do. Uh, wasn't sure if I was going to get to that one immediately. But, uh, yeah, get to football. it. Man. Electric, not not to be confused with electronic football, which is basically a handheld football game with like red LED lights that you'd control. Uh, this is electric football, and this was a like a, a field, like a metal field, and you'd have all these like football players with green bases, and what the thing was, you'd it would be powered by electricity. You'd, you'd plug it into a wall, and this is like a switch. You'd flick the switch on, and... Uh, not like a Nintendo a, switch. Not a Nintendo switch. No, just, a, just a plain old click switch. Just click. And uh, this <laughs> just motor click. Just, just click. would like vibrate the field, and like, the vibrations would make all the players move. And uh, this was invented by someone named uh, Norman A. Sass. Uh, it's, it's my S-A. all-time favorite last name. Uh, Norman it is, it is, no, it is not the first time I've heard it. S A S. Um, and he, uh, actually, his his father Elmer Sass. Had, uh, uh, well, oh I don't know if he was like the it's owner or the president of a of a company called Tudor Tudor Metal Products in based out of New York. And uh, he had that company since like the 1920s. And Norman was born in 1925, so he was a young kid when his father had that company. But uh, later on, when the, it was passed on to, to Norman, he took over in like the mid '40s. He, uh, I guess, pr- began production of it and started selling it 
you know, in retail in 1949. So this game's been around for a while. And uh, it's gone through, you know, upgrades since then. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can still get this game, but I've never seen it in stores for, like, the last 30 years. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, anyway, getting back to the game itself, um, it's just, you know, a big metal field, and, like, all these players have these green bases, and, like I said, like I said the, the, the field itself would vibrate, making all the players move. And later in, um, versions of it, which I remember having two different versions because one I accidentally fell on and dented the field, and then you could never play it the same way again because, like, the dent in the friggin' field. But the, you got the, you into it. You're not supposed to tackle the game. Right, I was supposed to get into into it. But um, wait, I'm in the uh, game. What? <laughs> but the the second version I got was apparently a, li- a little bit of a later version because the previous one had just had you know the the normal standard green bases that you detach the players on. But this one, the bases actually had dials, so you can kind of sort of. Have them move in certain ways. I mean, it was never consistent, but it was still pretty neat. Okay, hold on. Right. What did Bill and Ted play Death against this version of the game? I want to say they did. Actually, I don't yes, remember specifically. Did. Yes, oh, yes, they did. Yeah. They did. Yes, my God. because it was like Twister, Battleship, and I really game. think like that was the one where Death was just pissed. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think it was the one where they were moving. Yeah, because, and one would just spin around in a circle. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That, and that would that happen. Was it. That, yeah, would, that was that it. That would happen. Oh my god! Absolutely, that's awesome. You'd put him on like the the offensive line or something. Just so just just cover this area so none of the people can sack your quarterback. Well, death sucks at that game. So <laughs> everyone wanna... sucks at that game. <laughs> Not Bill and Ted. They were good. They well, won. They, no, they just sucked less than death. <laughs> they sucked less. Nobody's actually good. But anyway, the only you know, the, 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 I have a, like a little bit of a story that you know attaches to this game, and I'll just go into that now before I'm done for oh, this. Oh, I wish thing. you would. Uh, I mean, like, obviously, I played this game a lot as a kid. I used to like it a lot. But uh, the way they, you know, the the metal field would be, you know, vibrated was this motor. And the way you controlled this motor, there was, like, this, like, bolt or something. And, like, the tighter you would tighten it, like, the more intense the vibration would be. But also, the louder it would be because this thing was loud as fuck. Even, yeah. when, it was, even when it was running normally, like, a reasonable thing, it'd be like... <laughs> and it was like... Fucking obnoxious! Get down the, the street, play an electric parents. football again. Right. God damn it! Even on like a lower, a lower setting, it was still pretty obnoxious. So you have you know, play with the door closed in in the room, like that way the the noise doesn't like permeate through the entire house. But once in a while, my brothers would just kind of mess with me. They would crank the thing all the way down, and <laughs> me as a freaking kid of like you know. 12 years old didn't think to you know check it every time I, I would check it most of the time but sometimes i'd forget and of course the times i forget i'd set up all the players all nice and oh here's the play i want to run turn that thing on like oh my god it was like fucking something exploded in the house and my parents would be like god damn it gregory turn that thing down i'm like sorry my brothers sorry. would be like snickering in the background like you you jerks! <laughs> That's the best you can come up with. I shouldn't even say jerk, though. <laughs> oh. You're like, oh, fuck me with a duck dick. I'm going <laughs> to shove this motor bolt right up oh, your ass. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that's... That was just, you know... That is sublime. That <laughs> oh. was one of the things I remember most about it. Not actually playing it, just getting trolled <laughs> getting by my brother. Oh, screw you guys! Screw <laughs> you guys, I'm going home. Wait, I'm home. I'm going to my room. I'm in my room. You know, yeah. you're, you know you're in trouble when they called you Gregory. Oh yeah, oh, instead of, yeah. When the full name, name came out, instead yeah. of little boss rush, yeah. right, right, little berm. They didn't call me that very often. So, so going back to the, the whole uh, bogus journey thing, the four games that they played was Battleship, Clue, 
electronic football and then electric Christmas. football. But then, yeah, on here it says electronic. Well, they're wrong. They're wrong. Yeah, wrong. We know. We know it's electronic. Okay. No, no, it's, it's electric. electric. Boogie, 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 yes, exactly. Parasite. We all know it's electric. Yes. Erect. And, and yeah. Twister was the last one. Twister. 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 But yeah, nice. that's that's uh that that sounds my fun. entries. That was a that, that was a hell fun. of a twofer right there. Yeah, that was a good yeah. one two punch. Good'un. Nice. Good and good. And good. <laughs> that's my new favorite sound. <laughs> <laughs> Wanna hear the most that's annoying it. sound in the world? <laughs> Wanna hear the most annoying sound in the world? I feel like I've done this before too. Hi, I'm Boss Rush Mode. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is my right. I think that's voice. officially a running gag now. Yes. Uh eight bit, what it's you running. got? All right. So um actually Boss Rush is a decent segue, his first game being a board game adaptation of a video game. Uh, my board game of yore that has been lost to time is the Pokemon Master Trainer game from 1999. In case y'all haven't realized, I like me some Pokemans. You love the Pokemans. It's a thing that I was like kind of way into, and I'm still like kind of way into it. He's, he's got to catch them all. You know, I got to catch them all. So not, a, not just some of them. I'm not gonna get all of them. I'm gonna get all of them. You, you need all of them. I don't even like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Pokemon Master Trainer game from 1999 specifically is the one that I grew up with and I loved it. Uh, there was actually there were like two later iterations of the game. One was a direct sequel and one was a remake, which totally changes the rules. But the original game, basically how it worked was it took the map of the whole region from the Pokemon Red and Blue games and it would allow up to six players to traverse the world, catch Pokemon, battle, trade, and eventually face off against like this one ultimate trainer, and if you beat them, you won. In the games, you had to beat like five ultimate trainers. In the board game, they simplified it to one. So it did a pretty decent job of adapting the things that you liked about playing the game into a board game. So there would be all these different spots on the map. Some of them would let you draw item cards. Some of them would um, allow you to find Pokemon. And the way that the game did it was each spot where you could encounter a different Pokemon would have a big circular indentation where you basically put like a pog-sized disc face down. And there was like I think five different um, like tiers of Pokemon. There was like pink, which were the weakest and the easiest to catch. And then there were green, blue, red, and then yellow was legendary. And the only way to catch them was with like, you had to draw a specific card. Um, so it was fun because you'd, you'd go around the board, you'd flip over these different chips and see like, okay, what Pokemon here? Oh, it's Pikachu. Or actually not Pikachu because he was a starter Pokemon. The way the game started was if you had six people playing, they had to have six different Pokemon you'd start with because you can't just have nothing. So there was like the normal good starters like Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander. And then they're like, oh Wait, shit, can I that's guess? Can all I guess? of them. So yeah, guess what the other three garbage Pokemon were okay, that so they gave you. Okay, so obviously you've said Pokemon. Uh, you have said Pikachu. Is, is, it, is Eevee one of them? No. Not Eevee. Okay, so are they crazy? They are like pretty fucking random. Mr. Mime. No. Nope. I'll give you a hint. They both can evolve. Okay, that makes sense. Uh... Nidoran? Nope. Uh, They're so dumb. Oh, oh, the uh, the 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 bell. The nope. The plant bell. Nope. They're not even three tiers. What? So so this is the deal. Squirtle, Charmander, Bulbasaur. Awesome. All can evolve two different times. The other three are Pikachu, Meowth, and Clefairy. 
What? And what's crazy is that you can battle. So nobody the different, effing wants a nobody effing meowth. wants to be a meowth or a Clefairy. I mean, I like Clefairy, but whatever. The point is, I mean, Jigglypuff. I guess I could see more six than Clefairy. Of them, all six of them should be equivalent, right? No, right. Three tiers. Pikachu, Meowth, and Clefairy all have way lower attack, way lower stats. They're just objectively worse. N- Nidoran and, would have been perfect. Nidoran would have been perfect. And they can only evolve once. And what, the way that, what, what, what another three tier? What's another three tier? I, I mean, there's Oddish. There's Vic, there's the um, Bellsprout. There's Poliwhirl or Poliwag, whatever. Like Machop. There's plenty of three tier evolutions yeah. that could Oh, take, yeah. Machop was, would be Machop perfect, would be good. Yeah. Ghastly. But... Oh yeah, ghastly, right? But they did. They did there. three, two tiers, and and the thing is, is that it does screw you over later because when you have one Pokemon, and if later in the game you catch the evolution of it, uh-huh. you can stack them on top of each other, and they get not only the attack of the better Pokemon, but it gets plus two because it's an evolution. So your starter Pokemon can only evolve one time. So they're just they're just so objectively stupid. worse. The game is broken. It is not a well balanced game, but I think it's super fun. And the problem with the game stems from the fact that everything kind of comes down to dice rolls and you can just get screwed. The way that everything gets caught is you flip it over and it'll say you have to roll a three or a four Mm -hmm. or roll a six or whatever, depending on how hard it is to catch. So you can just get screwed and you can just never catch something. So that does kind of stink. But what ends up being really fun about it is that there are, you know, you can build up a team when you encounter other people, you can battle them. And like if you're if your opponent's doing really well, you can try and go after them to fight them and knock out some of their Pokemon. So that way they're not able to do as well later on. So there is a lot of like opportunities to screw each other over. There's also a lot of opportunities to cooperate because you can trade. So like if. One of you started with Charmander and the other one started with Squirtle and like the opposite of each other got their evolution. You can just say, hey, you want to trade? And like you can just agree to do that. Or you can say, no, screw you. I don't want to trade. Um, so the the other thing to note is that if you catch an evolution, so let's say you caught Blastoise and you didn't have Squirtle, you can still use him. He just doesn't get the bonus from having the previous evolutions. too. Hmm. So like it's it's a little weird. Um, the other thing about the game is that the writing on the cards is not super specific. Like it'll say, let's say you're trying to catch a Pokemon and you use a uh, you use a Master Ball item. So it says, okay, before your roll, you can add one, two, three, or four to your roll. So it's confusing. Does that slow your roll? It doesn't. Oh. But maybe it should. So the thing is that it says before you roll, right? So then the question is, okay, so then do I need to play this card and decide if I'm adding one, two, three, or four before I even know what my dice roll is? Or can I just pick a number afterwards? Or like, I mean, in the games, the Master Ball catches everything, right? But in the Pokemon Master Trainer game, it only allows you to add numbers to it. And if you rolled a six, guess what? You're screwed. You roll, you, you roll the six. Like, there's nothing that needs higher than a six to catch it because you're just rolling a single dice. So if you rolled the six and you needed a three and you played a Master Ball card, you wasted it. Mm. Card's wasted. It's not going to help you at all. You can't, like, use it to plus or minus. So it's just, like, it, it is just kind of broken. But if you take it out of context of the games and just play it as it is, it can be really fun. It tends to take a long time, and there are definitely things wrong with it. But... I feel like it is a really, really close approximation of the video games. Mm. And it's a fun game if you can get a group of people together because it's up to six players, which really is substantial. And the other thing that's worth noting is 
all 150 original Pokemon have chips in the game. They didn't cut any out. So, like, you have a huge selection of guys and, like, I don't know, I'd say only maybe like 15 or so can fit on the board at a time. So every time you reveal one and you catch it, you will replace it with another one of that color. And you keep going. So you can play it a bunch of times and like never see the same guys, right. which is super fun. Um, but cool. yeah, it's a little tough. It's a little broken, but it was one game that I loved so much. And I found out it's really expensive. Like if you want to buy it, I, I was watching a YouTube video um, uh, of this guy, Teching 101. And he was playing uh, with some of his friends, and he paid like seventy bucks for the game on eBay. Oh, Jesus! Wow. Yeah, and it was missing pieces; like it didn't have everything. So, like that's crazy. And I've seen it go for higher for over a hundred dollars, mm. you know. And it's it's one of those things where you can't really get it, and it's weird because it's Pokemon, which is right. still super popular. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, I I liked it a lot, and it's cool. kind of just sort of been lost to time. But I still have mine. I still have my copy. Nice. We can still play. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I know so much about Pokemon because I got into Blue with you, mm-hmm. and we would play it on the Super Game Boy mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and stuff. But so I like got into it definitely before this game came out. But I really don't remember this game. I don't think we ever really played it. Together, yeah, I want to say but. we played it once or twice. But the thing is, the setup was so long oh. to actually put all the things in it that oh. it was just I think prohibitive. I it you just kind of nice. felt like man this is fun yeah. but like ugh. it's like the pac-man pac-man i can picture like putting up the, all the marbles mm-hmm. right? being right. More, more trouble than or it's like worth. trying to play that oregon trail game now you know right the one with right. all the cards you're like oh my god this takes like half an hour to set yeah, up the oregon right. trail uh, card games that they put out which are pretty fun the original yeah. one's fun but like the hunting and fishing <clears throat> one or whatever is like yeah it was a, it it takes a while yeah it's true it's a bit much but yeah um cool awesome yeah. man cool yeah i never got into pokemon so basically the last 15 minutes was just like you talking like an adult in charlie brown that's why we should play it <laughs> but yeah. it, it sounds like if whoever's into that that you know the pokemon yeah. stuff would have a good time with it yeah it's yeah. decent full show Pretty it's cool. decent all right so before we move on i just want to uh spotlight two more games and one i'll be really really brief with um this is a game these are basically what i always consider to be my favorite two board games as i said i wasn't planning on talking about nightmare but I, oh man i just had to um <clears throat> so one of them it, it always it always gets me in every episode of the Goldbergs. It's just on the shelf in the living room. I've never seen them spotlight it, but it's on the shelf. And that is Fireball Island, which is <laughs> yeah. by far one of the coolest game boards of all time. It was I'm twisted big... up inside, but nonetheless, I feel the need to stay. Yeah, sure. And it was like <laughs> this topographical, you know, plastic game board. And it, it was just really, really cool. Uh, just really briefly, it was... Uh, it was first published by Milton Bradley in 1986, tagline being the dimensional adventure game of pitfalls and perils. And there was a giant tiki sort of looking idol that was in the, the middle of the, of the game board. And his name was Volcar. And he had a, a, a marble in his, a red marble in his mouth, which was one of the fireballs. And there were various other places throughout the game that you would put red marbles. And they were the fireballs. You could just knock them off. And, and your player would try to traverse. And he had little things he was trying to accomplish and get to the end of it with, without getting fireballed too many times. Really fun game. And uh, just, just kind of fun. Uh, in, I don't know if you guys know this. In April 2018, a new version of the game was actually released. It's called Fireball Island, The Curse of Volcar. That's awesome. It's released by Restoration Games, and it was kickstarted. Huh. What? This game... <laughs> check out these numbers. Kickstarter campaign was asking for $250,000. It was fully funded 
in one hour. Oh, oh my shit. god! Clearly, I'm not the only one. People who People love this game. Fireball Island. It ended up raising almost a three million dollars. Holy crap! That's a lot of fire. It ended with two million eight hundred and ten thousand two hundred and ninety-eight buckaroonies. Big American wow. bows. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So amazing, I have not played actually. it. You can purchase it now on on Amazon. Uh, it's about sixty five bucks, which is a little bit too pricey for me since yeah. it's just Fireball Island. Yeah. I do love it, but I know I probably won't play it that is much. Is it just Fireball Island, or did they do something like to change um, it up? I, I think they did. I read that they revamped some of the gameplay, and there are expansion sets that they've done too. Okay, which is great because they're putting the the extra money to use because yep. that is a very disproportionate yeah, amount. Of that's fun. a lot right. of overhead. Right. So, but anyway. So Fireball Island, just really wanted cool. to briefly mention, I always loved that. My favorite, number one, with a freaking laser bullet, is a game that came out in 92, also released by Milton Bradley. It is a talking electronic board game, like unlike any other I had ever played, and it is called The Omega Virus. This game is awesome. You'd have this central sort of talking computer base, and um, it would... Like Nightmare in some ways, it would beep, it would have, you know, there was ambiance, but there was also the the Omega virus and the ship's computer were the two voices. And the idea is that the computer is good, but he's being taken over by this evil virus. So he was kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde and the computer would do good things for you. And then it would change the voice and it'd be like, you stupid fools. And, you know, it would be the, the Omega virus. I think and I remember seeing you, you You guys had this box run in your house for like the longest time. And I still have it. It, okay. it is the best box art ever. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah. It is amazing. I wish I had a poster of the Omega virus box art. I swear to God, it would go up and never come down. But um, so anyway, it's it was yeah, a poster priorism. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> a really fun game. Very unique. I played this to death. I absolutely played this more than any other game. And I would it is the only instance of a game that I really got into that I would constantly want to keep playing like day after day. I've never been a person like, you know, people who play like set, settlers of Catan, like get so into it and that's all they want to do and I've never been that sort of a person like I I like games and stuff but you know I don't know there aren't too many that have like really grabbed me like that and pulled me in and been like oh yeah a day after day this is all I want to do so because every every time you play it's different and you don't always win you know it's like nightmare not not every time do you beat the omega virus sometimes you don't and it would it would come down to you know like the final seconds of the game pretty much and you were like you know sections of the board were closing he would like close sectors because it was a folding board and it was really really cool and uh you'd have to put in find the code to defeat the the virus and input it in time and if you did cool you save the day and you get like this little ending dialogue and if you don't you get the bad ending you you lose you all died so it was a really, really cool game. And what I just thought I would do is read this little excerpt from the manual, which was really fun. Because the story of this was, I think, part of what made it so fun. It wasn't tied to any existing property. It was just like people in Milton Bradley, they're like, okay, we're going to come up with this whole story. And they really got into it. So anyway, here it is. <clears throat> it is the year 2051. Earth is now orbited by the great Battlesat-1 station, which protects Earth from meteor impacts and stray comets with a super payload of plasma weapon silos. However... 
During a routine maintenance operation, something goes horribly wrong, and the station's master computer is infected by a microscopic nanophage that builds a singular intelligence, foreign AI, in the computer core. While the humans aboard the station are forced to evacuate as all support systems shut down, the Earth leadership is contacted by the entity known as the Omega Virus, which threatens to turn the Battlesat's plasma weapons upon the planet. Ass. <laughs> Hope you weren't listening on your headphones. So you pretty much you controlled these little commando guys that were really cool, and they look like little space dudes, and uh, and also probes which look like little R two D two. So probes. like you know it was neat because you would start out as the guy, and uh, you would get different components that would snap onto the guy as you would search rooms, yeah, and, and you would find certain different accessories, and they actually snapped onto the figure, and uh, and then you could also find a probe, and what the probe would do is let you search. Uh, you, it would basically let you go twice for every turn. Yeah, it's like an additional yeah. character So you, you would send out the probe in a different direction, so you were searching twice as quick. And as time went on, that became really, really, really useful. Yeah, because so like anyway, if an area got locked and your probe was there, you can at least still move your guy. Right, the, the probe would be destroyed if mm-hmm. it was in the area that got locked. But yeah, anyway, Omega Virus, love it. Kick butt. Yeah. So Sounds good. Really cool. I want to play it right now. Yeah. It's it's super fun. And I still own it. And it's it's just great. But anyway, this episode's getting a little bit long in the tooth. So I think we've covered some Lost Board games. Some pretty good sure Lost have. Board games there. So that's Lost Board games. But um, I think for this week's Octoponder This, what I will ask you, the audience, and you, the rest of Retro Redoctopus, is... Going back to what we were saying about, like, oh, the commercials you would see on TV were kind of different. And they would, you know, showcase toys and a lot more... A lot more like games and toys than we'd see today. What I'll ask you, is there any commercial you can remember seeing for a product that you wanted so bad, like you didn't know it existed, and then all of a sudden you see this commercial, and it's like, oh my god, I have to have this, and you wanted it so bad, and you wanted it so bad, and you kept seeing the commercial, and you kept asking your mom and dad for it, and kept asking for it, and you never got it. This week's Octoponder This is what was the number one thing you wanted so freaking bad as a kid, but you never actually got. Why don't you sit back and think about that for a little bit while we go on a short break. Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of, of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we will will see you you next Thursday. Bloodworks Scriptorium, the new album from Enchanted Exile. 11 pulse-pounding heavy metal tracks, including... 
Embrace Oblivion, Cold Spell, on Widow's Hill, and I am the Void. Bloodworks Scriptorium, available now on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you get your digital music. So, go get it. you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. Okay, welcome back aboard, mateys. Now that you've had a little time to think about this week's question, which was, what was the number one thing you remember seeing a commercial for as a kid that you just had to have so bad, but you just never actually got? We are going to answer this question for you right now, but we hope you're going to jump on the interwebs at some point and tell us what you think, because we'd love to hear it. So first, um, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Boss Rush mode, answering this, uh, this question. Hello, Mr. Boss Rush. How are you doing? I'm, ca- I'm being formal now. Oh, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so what was the number one kid thing you wanted so freaking bad but never got? Love from my parents. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's number that's number six. Oh, no. I never saw my, ads for my that. My parents loved me, but they didn't love me enough to get one of these things. And that's one thing that I wanted so bad as a kid. Saw the commercial for it. Uh, I was never really huge into G.I. Joe, oddly enough. But when I saw this, I wanted it so bad. It's called the Sky Striker. And it's a giant jet, kind of similar to, like, I'm guessing, an F-14 fighter. But this was like a massive jet where like a normal figure could actually sit in the cockpit. So imagine like a plane that big that a normal-sized action figure could fit into. And you now, for, for some reason, when I was around 9 or 10 years old, and this was released in like 1983, if I'm not mistaken. So this was like right in like the prime time of my life where I was just obsessed with like friggin' like jet planes and stuff like this. And I, oh my god, I saw this on TV and I wanted this thing so freaking bad. But as you know, the question would allude to, I never actually got it. Though uh, my cousin Nintendo did have it, so at least I got to play with it when I went to his house. You're so welcome. I didn't get to complete. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so I didn't get to completely miss out on it, at least. So I was able to, like, you know, pretend I was a, a fighter pilot. Actually, the the pilot that came with it, his name is Ace. So I mean, not the most imaginative name, but it works for the the, the universe of GI Joe. Which sure. is kind of funny because I also wasn't really big into GI Joe, but my parents was like, "Oh, he likes he likes." Stuff like this, so <laughs> have we'll this get him expensive this. plane toy. <laughs> yeah. Stuff is comprised of things, so here, have this thing. Right. Yes. Have this. Have this stuff, and play with your thing. <laughs> yeah. This this jet really. Uh, I'd never seen it before. Man, it is awesome. Yeah. It's Definitely great. gonna post links to all of the all the things that we bring up here and on the on Twitter anyway, on Twitter. And, and our Facebook group as well, and everybody can comment and pretty cool. But yeah, this Sky Striker thing is is nuts. Yes. It's radical. cool. Very cool. All right, uh, Nintendo, what do you got? Well, then, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, first You're time welcome. caller. You're welcome. Uh, long time listener. Yes. Uh, no talk. Uh, oh. <laughs> yes, you're on. Yes, you're on. on. Yes, okay. you're on. I can't hear myself. Oh, no, we, got, we, uh, we have a bad down connection. Turn your radio. Oh. <laughs> okay, Nintendo. is it? No! Talk. <laughs> talk. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this one thing that I, that I really wanted really bad was uh, Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time for the SNES. Um, I loved the arcade, and when I found out that it was coming out to the home ports, uh, 
I was really excited and I asked for it and I just never got it. Aww. It's it's it was a, it was a sad sad time. It's a sad life. lifetime. Sad um, Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty sad. Yeah, awesome I'm, game though. Yeah, wicked awesome. Super Definitely rad. one of the I best. I mean, Paris, like, Steve had it, so I played it the most over there. And uh, we played the shit out of that game. We too. sure did. Oh my god, such a good game. And uh, and just recently, I I, fi- I finally bought off uh, boss rush mode. Hi, uh, returning the favor for the GI Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Comes full circle. We take Eventually, care of each other. yeah, yeah. Complete and everything. Yeah. Don't say I never did nothing for you. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Very cool. Yeah. That is a good game. Yeah. And, you know, it's cool you finally have it after, after all, all these years. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, what say you, 8-Bit? Well, okay. I got I got two here. The first one's real quick. The first one I've mentioned before in our Transformers episode, I always wanted, like, a Tonka big wheel. I wanted to just drive around the yard in the neighborhood in one of these giant remote, like, like just drivable truck things. Because, like, how, how friggin' cool is that? It was the closest thing Pretty friggin like, cool. to a little kid being able to drive around. So, like, super fun. I really wanted one of those, but I never, ever got one. Um, but the other one that I distinctly remember thinking, like really wanting but i don't know never really expressing that i wanted it because i knew that like it would just make a mess and everything i wanted one of the creepy crawler like gummy bug candy factory things <laughs> from the 90s yeah the freaking ads were like so awesome and catchy and i remember thinking that the the bugs that they would pump out of them looked so cool and they were edible and like just i don't know well, it, it was depends like on what you made them with i mean in the commercial they make it seem like okay if you make it with the proper ingredients sure it's edible right and then if you huh. you know don't and you use if you, if you make pudding bugs, then yeah. Right, pudding bugs can be eaten. But I wanted one, and I just kind of felt like I knew it wouldn't go over well, and it would make a mess, and like it probably would never get it. So I never really asked for it, but I always kind of wanted one because I thought bugs were cool, and gummy candy is, you know, it's candy. Like, whatever, I'm a kid, I like candy. But never got yeah. one. Someone, <laughs> said, someone said Santa Claus was like, how about a nice football? <laughs> football? What's a football? I don't know anything about sports. I want to eat bugs. I want to slurp on those bugs. <laughs> but I never did. Sad, Sad. face. <laughs> Sad Aww. face emoji. All right. So for me, I would say the number one thing that has always stuck in my brain that I never got as a kid that I always wanted. Oh, my God. The original Voltron. I always wanted that thing. And, you know, I mean, I think that. You know, it was it wasn't even like I loved the show so much. I watched it and everything, but there were other shows I liked a lot more. But my god, it's just that Voltron is so cool looking. The toy, right? yeah. yeah. I remember seeing yeah. it in the in the store, and it's like, oh my god, this, you're, you're this talking is, about the car one, right? This is le- of course, <laughs> legitimately the coolest. Yeah, not not that lame lion one I've ever seen. That's nope. a complete lie. The lion one is awesome. Yes, yes, you're a big fat liar. I wish you weren't a liar. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was the best. <laughs> and I, I wasn't also, lying about it. I yes. also remember, I mean, I, I could be remembering this wrong, but I, I feel pretty certain that there were different versions of it. And so now we see that a lot, like, you know, model kits, and there are lots of collectible Transformers, Power Rangers. You can buy, like, the cheap toy versions, or or you can buy, like, the Master Collector Series version that's way more points of articulation, and it's just better better overall in all ways. I wish I had more points of articulation. I do, too. You need to have a Master Collection edition. Mm. Yeah, we, mm. we got the standard Bosch Mush. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty certain that 
when this came out, which was probably, you know, no later than 84 or something. Um, and I know it came out in Japan first, but you know, like, I, I'm pretty sure there was like the plastic one and there was the metal one. But oh, I yeah. definitely remember there being a metal Voltron and it, all the lions came apart and you could play with them as lions or they would form Voltron like they were supposed to. And it just worked and it was awesome. And oh, my God, I wanted it so bad. But clearly it was pretty expensive. Um, I never had it. And uh, always, always was like kind of kind of a little bit butthurt, a little bit. <laughs> Another one that I, another one I was a little bit older um, that that uh, I sort of completely understood. I think I, I think I understood more about money at this point, but I sort of didn't ever expect it. But also was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's fine, that's fine. That's fine. Is, uh, I I, uh, the Dino Riders. Um, remember the Dino Riders? I loved the Dino Riders. The most expensive Dino Rider was the Brontosaurus. Because it was it freaking was huge. Really huge. It was the biggest of the good guys. Because the biggest of the bad guys was actually the T-Rex, which I did have. The biggest of the, the good guys was the uh, was the Brontosaurus. And it uh, was like over 80 bucks. The Brontosaurus Rex? No, just, Brontosaur- just regular. The Brontosaurus oh, had over 80 bones. Yeah. So that was another one that I was like, well, like I really wanted it because I love the Dino Rider so much. But uh, it's like, yeah, no, nah, no, 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 it's fine. Don't do that. No, we we need to we need we need bread this week. Yeah, we, we need we, to eat for a we month. Need to eat, yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to that Voltron thing a little bit, I never had like any of the big toys, but I did have like a camera that would have like limbs that would fold out and form like a oh yeah weird you know bastardization of Voltron. And it was a working camera too. And my mom still has this somewhere for whatever reason, but I remember having this and like, it was just the weird. It's a, it's a camera, but it also forms Voltron. I that's lo- wicked cool. I loved that thing. <laughs> I mean, it took crappy pictures, obviously, but it was neat that you could because they would all just fold into itself into its back, and like you know the whole camera was like you know it was this you know black box that looked like a camera, huh. and that would be the body, and then obviously you'd pop the head up, and then all the limbs would fold out, and it would have you know the lines as limbs and all that jazz. Yeah. No, that was pretty neat. That what jazz? Yeah. We're talking about jazz? Yeah. Prime. Prime. Yeah. The prime. What an unbelievably random thing to combine. Like Voltron and a crappy camera for kids. Right. <laughs> I know. Huh? What? Yeah. I think there were crappy cameras of kids combined with all sorts <laughs> crappy of camera like, of every kids. property. <laughs> made <laughs> of children. Camera. It's made of kids. <laughs> Jesus. Made of That's children. not okay. Oh, my gosh. It's horrible. <laughs> Why? Horrible. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So, everybody else out there, I, we would love to hear your answers to our question of, you know, what were you, what are you most butthurt about not getting as a kid? Pretty much, um, you know. So please hop on. Um, you can well, you can do lots of things. This is what you can do. You can you can hop on at Redoctopus on Twitter. Uh, you can you can do that, or you can go in our Facebook group, or you can always you know if you you're living in the the Stone Age, you can uh, email us at Redoctopus at gmail dot com, which I might add, not one. One person has done and we're on episode six so you could be the first you, you could be, be the, the first. very first you email it's no still prize. possible it could be you it could be you make us happy so and you know hey it's uh it is it is about that time it's, it's not about that prom but it's about that time it's almost that time to catch that horizon but hey before we say goodbye you got your spiked gauntlets you got your bullet belt you got your leather jacket and your denim you got your hairspray? Well, put them on, because it's time for another edition of Power to the Metal. 
Welcome back to another edition of Power to the Metal. Yes, yeah. very, very metal. Metal! Metal! Anyways, uh, so this is a segment where I talk about bands that may be big in other countries, but not big here. And I feel like they deserve more credit than what they're getting here in the States. So... This month, I chose this band called Pink Cream 69. Ooh la la. They are a hard rock heavy metal band founded in 1987. And they're, they're one of my favorite acts that's still around today. Um, very. What was that name again? I've already forgotten it. Oh, well, let me remind you. Parasite Steven. Pink Cream Sixty nine. Seriously, you are never gonna forget that. You're name. not because it's a stupid name. It's and not. It's not just a stupid. It's the stupidest. It's name. an absurd. Which is actually name. brilliant, right? Because right. it's so stupid, you literally can't forget it. Right. Pink cream sixty nine. Yes. So this band was founded in Karls Karlsruhe, Germany. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Probably uh, not. Probably not. <laughs> so I'm American. I'm stupid. Uh, hey, I, I'm an expert at mispronunciation, so I would. <laughs> Right. You're the schmush. I am the schmush. Oh, but you're our schmush. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So the original members were comprised by Andy Dearis, Dennis Ward, Costa Zafiriu, and Alfred Koffler. The band gained their first con- contract by winning Music Magazine's Mel Hammer's Newcomer Competition in Ludwigsburg one year after forming, which is... Pretty impressive. Yeah, wow. that's awesome. That's wicked awesome. And that's Andy Darris of Halloween. Of Halloween right. now. Yes. Now he's been in Halloween he, forever. He played on the first three albums, and then he left. He sang, yeah, the singer. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, uh, in 1994, Andy Darris left the band to, to join German power metal legends Halloween. He was replaced by British singer David Redman, who is also an amazing singer. Yeah. He is they're very red. different. Yeah. The very, both, I remember the very first great. song I heard by them was called uh, Traveler in Time from the Electrified album. And I fucking loved it. So I had to like, I had to do research on them. You couldn't buy their CDs in the stores. You had to like, like, uh, yeah, special. You, had, you could import. Yeah, import. you had to like, yeah, that's, order that, them, that's what I was looking for. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, because they yeah. were technically, they're German band. Technically, I mean, he's, yes. he's, he's from England, yeah. but yeah, I had to do the same thing with Blind Guardian albums before they really came yeah, popular I remember over here. Yeah. Boss Rush and I found Blind Guardian and then we wanted to go to the back catalog and it's like, yeah. OK, well, they're they're expensive. Yeah, and, and this was the time when uh, Nightfall in Middle Earth was out. Yeah, right. 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 Actually, but, uh, the bassist Dennis Ward is from Houston, Texas. Wow. Oh, wow. I don't That's know about, about Houston, Texas, but he's from, he's from Texas. From Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wow. That, was, that was pretty interesting. Wow. And uh, they've released, thus far, 12 studio albums, two live albums, and one live DVD called Pink Cream 69, Past and Present. I would love to see which the DVD. I have not yet seen, and I would love to. Yeah, yeah that would be, be awesome cool to, to get out. a hold of. Yeah. Electrified is such an amazing power metal album. Yeah. I think it's their good. heaviest album that I know of. Yeah. It's it's really good. I love it. That and um, Sonic Dynamite. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, Sonic, I, Sonic Dynamite was what I got started on. It's so good. Like every yeah. song is a hit. I've in my heart. Honestly, I really loved every album except for for one. I can't remember. Uh, remember the name of it. Oh, was it be- the first one with David Redman? No, 
not changes. Oh, actually, you know what? I take that back because I haven't heard the first two with the Yeah, because like changes is like I heard weird. they weren't very good, so I was yeah. like never bothered. Uh, but is his yeah. name Breadman? Dread, Dreadman. 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 It's not, so it's, it's nothing it's to not, do with it's bread. It's not a Mega Man boss. Okay. He's not <laughs> a bread-based <laughs> Mega Man boss. Okay. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I, I would highly recommend checking out Electrified, the album, Sonic Dynamite. Mm. Uh, Endangered. Endangered. Yeah. Actually, Endangered, I, I feel like that's their heaviest Trust album. Trust the Wiseman. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet That's song. pretty sweet. And the, the new album, uh, Headstrong, is... Awesome. So I, I liked did, Intensity a lot, too, when that yeah, came out. Yeah, Intensity was really good. I thought I, it was super solid. Yeah. Yeah. Check them all out. Do it. Hit the ground running. Hit Don't the be ground running. Buy the first 68 pink creams. Only get pink cream 69. Get the 69 right. in your ear yeah. hole. And also, uh, games people play, the Andy Darius era, is top-notch. Too. Yeah, that's an awesome album. I kind of feel like with the, the, for the first three albums, they were so unique. They didn't really sound like your typical rock or metal band because mm-hmm. no Andy's voice is so unique. Yep. And their melodies were so unbelievably strong and yes. catchy. And it's just like, that's the perfect recipe. That's what you right, want in like right. a, you know, power metal kind of outfit. So right. if you could pick a song, Joe, what, like what song should I post to Twitter? <sighs> you could pick one. The Traveler in Time. Traveler in Time. Okay. Yeah, first, perfect. What about Talk one. to yep. the Moon? Talk to the Moon is so good too. I know you love that yeah. one. I love Over the Fire, personally. Yeah, that one's real yeah, heavy. That's good, too. I've heard a couple songs and thought they were okay, and Nest never really got into them, so I don't have any suggestions. So you'll have to listen to what we post on yeah, Twitter. I, I will. <laughs> I will definitely have to. Yeah. I'll, I'll join the, the newbie. I'll, I'll be on the newbie wagon with some of the listeners. You'll get creamed for the, <laughs> it's the first time. It's the new And what's wagon. awesome about Over the Fire is that Ralph Sheepers does backing vocals on yes, that. Yes, he certainly does. Oh, cool. Ralph Sheepers of Primal Fear, formerly of Gamma Ray. Yeah. He is the biggest, scariest looking dude with the thinnest voice you'll ever hear. <laughs> yeah. Thinnest, highest voice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he looks like he will like it's punch like your face. It's like bat in. screams crammed into like a, a gorilla. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's it's disproportionate. It's it's weird. Right. It's, it's, it's like the, it's fucking weird. He's the reverse Rick Astley. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's a reverse yes. Astley. He's never go, anti-Astley. You never go full reverse Astley, but he <laughs> inside out Astley. Astley. Inside out Astley. <laughs> all right so that uh pretty much wraps up the episode this week i think uh but before we get on out of here anybody have anything they want to plug 8-bit uh so you can find me 8-bit alchemy on youtube and also on soundcloud i have a bunch of my original 8-bit style music on there as well as some covers of a few different video game tunes of recent day and uh yester your in recent day yester your in recent day yeah i like that it's got Hmm. good music to it Hmm. um so yeah i haven't done anything super recently but i am hopefully going to be working with a friend of mine and uh composing a theme for his channel Uh, so i will have more information on that when it is closer to completion nice um but yeah stay tuned on the uh 8-bit alchemy youtube channel nice what about you nintendo well, I have my, I have my own YouTube channel, which is called Nintendo. Um, in case you know, couldn't tell, um, I do basically. I've been doing mostly uh, the swag snack stuff, which is the, the the pickup videos that a lot of people tend to do. Um, I will be doing a unboxing video shortly, and I have two more swag snack episodes lined up, so nice. I'll be pretty busy. I can't wait to see them and put them in my eye holes. Oh yes. yes. What you got, Bosch? 
Well, you can also find me on YouTube under the channel name Boss Rush Mode, just to avoid confusion. Uh, and I have uh, lots of videos on there. Uh, I've got VG Tunes, which is basically a video game music podcast. I've got Auracade, A-U-R-A-Cade, which is uh, kind of like a atmospheric, kind of like ambiance of like just arcade games, like arcade game sounds, kind of like you're in an arcade of some sort. You know, I think those are pretty neat, and I hope you enjoy them too if you decide to check them out. And I've also got V1.0 of Retro Red Octopus on there, the first, coincidentally, eight episodes, and uh, some side stuff too. So uh, yeah, definitely go on there, feel free to check it out, and I hope you enjoy. It took us like three or four years to do eight episodes of Retro Red Octopus, and we're already in like on episode six right now. Right, exactly. And it's only been two months. Yeah. So we're we're definitely, you know, it took us a little while to, to get into the swing of things, but right. I think that it's definitely, our, our old stuff is worth checking out. I definitely Absolutely. think if you like the podcast, definitely hop on to Boss Rush Mode channel. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's really fun. There is a lot of fun stuff there. For sure, and as as for as for me, Parasite Steve, I uh, I am a horror author. I not a horrible author, but I or do horror author. I horror. I don't write horror stuff. Horror and horror are slightly different. Enunciate. Um, ho- I'll say it like English people. Horror. Horror. I write. I don't books. think that's better. I. <laughs> you got. Yeah. When you say horror. Check out my books. I have uh, I've written uh, two vampire books that are set in Africa: The Bone Eater King and Marrow Dust, both available on Amazon in uh, paperback and Kindle. And I have a brand new book that just came out called The Final Summons, which is an anthology put out by the New England Speculative Writers, and it's awesome. I have a story in it. You should go buy it. That's it. So anyway. Thank you very much for checking out our episode. We had a great time presenting some lost board games and some childhood mammaries. <clears throat> as, we, as we tend to. I just want to squeeze them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, yeah, over, anyway, th- those, are th- those are the treacherous waters. You, you hear us talking about them sometimes. The, the, the childhood memories, those are the treacherous waters. They're all the things that make growing up awesome, and we like giving them to you, so we hope you like hearing about it. And if you, like, you did like what you heard, please hit that little subscribe button, like us on Facebook and Twitter. We are, we being Retrodoctopus, we are part of the Inebri Art Podcast Network. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like the Old Colony Cast, Bar Talk, and of course, Inebri Art, as Andy and Fish chat with local artisans over a couple of cold ones. And usually more than that, because let's face it, folks, there is a reason the Inebri comes before the art. Mm-hmm. For more information on these or any great show, any of the Inebri Art shows, please go to inebri-art.com. I have been your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve of Destruction, though nobody calls me that, and it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here. <laughs> <laughs>